building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Oh, welcome, Giant Builders. It's Tuesday at 2, and I have Matthew Muller here. He is a mindful innovator. Welcome, Matthew. Hello. Thank you for having me, Lois. It's great to meet you. Thanks. Well, tell me, what is a mindful innovator? So a mindful innovator is my take on what innovation really should be. I've been an innovator for quite some time now, and I kind of got thrown into the industry going in from category management into, hey, we want you to uh, start an innovation team. When I first started innovation, it was amazing. Like the fantasies that I would have, let's build robots and add artificial intelligence and have an app. And then let's consume all this content in different processes like StageGate and design thinking. There's so many different ways we could do it. And what happened was that we would always have these great ideas um, that somewhat worked, but never really took it to that next level. It was almost like we were just churning. We were kind of just making moves for the sake of you know making a move uh, rather than really being purposeful. And it reminded me of when I had my first smartphone. And when I had that smartphone, I remember just always being on it, my nose down in it, looking at my uh, text notifications, my emails, consuming content on the internet, looking at every notification I had on Facebook. I was all in it. And when I was doing that on a daily basis, I realized that I was no longer present in my real life. I wasn't there. I wasn't being mindful. And I used meditation to really help bring me back out of that cell phone and get my nose out of it and back into life and really be able to enjoy the, the present moment. So since I had that feeling within innovation, I really said, well, what if I apply mindfulness meditation to innovation? What would that really look like? So a mindful innovator is someone that really just looks at the present moment to understand really what are we truly looking at and just really going slower for the sake of being able to go faster and more purposeful, which is really, I think, the thing that we forget about within innovation today is that we're not purposeful. That's a little overwhelming for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be real honest with you. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it is overwhelming. So really, if we kind of just go back down to simplicity, um, that really explains innovation. So one of the stories that I, I really wanted to learn more about was like, what was innovation like prior to any book or process. And I don't think there's any case that could be better than the wheel. The wheel was designed in 3500 BC. There was no book yet. There wasn't even written language. So what, what could that really, how did they invent the wheel? What, is, what did that look like? And I learned that the wheel was actually invented uh, not as a wheel that was used to travel or for transport. It was actually designed to help potters. Um, they had a huge issue in ancient Greece. There were a huge demand for pots and they weren't able to keep up with it. And they were used for everything from, you know, from cooking to storing things, from fetching water from a well, from cremating people and putting them in pots. They were used for everything. So they had to come up with a creative way to make pottery faster. And they created a potter's wheel, which, you know, spins the, the clay around and they're able to make pots five, 10 times faster with it. Uh, so when you think about that, how do they create something so innovative without a process? Well, when you go down to just brass tags, it, you had a problem and you had something creative to solve that problem. Those are like the two pillars of innovation that you really need, or at least need to start with 
uh, to be able to innovate. So when you are in the current moment of innovating, you have to think about well, what is my real problem? What is the true problem that I have here in front of me? And, and don't think down too far down the road of all these different problems that might be in your mind, but really just what is in front of me? What is the true problem? And what are some creative solves that can actually solve those problems? And so when you think about mindful innovation, it really just comes down to simplifying it down to just those, really those two things. What is the problem and how can I creatively solve it? Does that make it less overwhelming? Yeah, it does. Do you find or do you think that in our technology today that it's hard for us to find problems? It is hard to find real problems. I think that's what yeah. the issue is at hand. So a lot of times we can cock up what the problem is or what the problem might be for us. But is that truly the problem for your market, for your network, right? It's uh, Our problems can be very biased to ourselves and then it puts us down the wrong path of solving something that really wasn't an issue for anyone else. A great example of that was this man in uh, Miami. He created a water um, for dogs. And the problem that he faced was that he did not like to give his dog water from tap because it had chemicals in it. Um, it had, you know, chlorine and all these other minerals that he shouldn't, the dog shouldn't be having. And, and he was passionate about this. So he created a water just for dogs. And he tested it out with, I think, 40,000 dogs or so. And it came back like 95% preferred the dog water, the bottled water versus tap water. It was a huge success. So he started selling it into grocery stores, into pet stores, and it never left the shelf. And the reason why it didn't leave the shelf is because dogs don't have wallets. They can't purchase the water. And people, owners of, of these dogs, did not see that being a real problem. A lot of dog owners would, would actually just tell them, like, look, my dog drinks out of the toilet and I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, I'm not buying my dog a bottle of water. So yeah. he was solving his problem. It worked for him, but it didn't create a viable business. It wasn't an innovation because it was nobody else's problem. And I think that's what we face a lot today, uh, especially with just all of like the, these false problems that we have um, because of the way that the industry is today, everything is moving so much faster that there's all these like pseudo problems that are out there that we're trying to solve for. What are some things that I sh should be mindful about to create change in the world? Yeah, the, the three things that you really need to focus in on. And the first two we explain, right, is that what is that problem, that real problem that we could face, that we're facing? What is that creative solution that we have? And the third piece I think is extremely important and is one that we always forget about. I knew it was when I first started innovation, but it's getting others to accept your creative solve for that problem as the solution. And a lot of times we're force fitting things in that we think are that solve for a problem and no one is accepting that. And that could be acceptance internally within your company, uh, internally with your family, or even with your consumer base. Are they really accepting that solve? And that is a big problem. And there was another case study that I looked at that was about a thousand years after the, the potter's wheel that kind of brought that one to light for me. And it's the wheelbarrow. So they took that potter's wheel and said, well, what if I were to create a wheelbarrow out of this to help me get product from one side of my construction site to another to save me time? And this was in ancient Greece, too, when they were building temples. And one foreman built this, this wheelbarrow out and was using it. He tried selling it to others, to other foremen, and they would not purchase the wheelbarrow. It was way too expensive. They did not see the value in it. No one accepted the wheelbarrow at first. And it wasn't until one foreman took a chance and got the wheelbarrow from, from this guy, foreman. And he found out that he actually saved four days worth of labor on his site because of the wheelbarrow. That created huge acceptance. Now, all of a sudden, I found a reason why I should, we should really take in this wheelbarrow. 
And from there, the wheelbarrow became a huge success, but it wasn't until there was acceptance. So we have to think mindfully about how might we get acceptance in today? And we have to be really purposeful about that. So some of the things that we need to think about is ahead of time, before we actually ever get to a launch of a product or put uh, implement anything, is getting people's advice ahead of time, understanding what they see to be the problem, understand what they think might be the solution and make them you know, a collaborative piece to the innovation rather than force fitting the innovation and saying, handing it to them saying, here you go, this is innovation, take it. A lot of times that's not going to work. You have to get them involved ahead of time and really plan for that purposely, mindfully along the whole path to make sure that the acceptance happens at the end. So once somebody has this mindful innovation, this idea, how do they, what steps do they take or how do they bring it to life? Yeah, when you have the idea, that's, that's like, that is great. But ideas are not innovation. Everyone has ideas. And bringing it to life is really an important part of innovation. And it really does come down to that acceptance piece and getting others involved. So how can you collaborate with folks to make sure that it comes to life? Thinking about who is this idea going to impact? Is it going to be workers on the front line? Is it going to be an executive in the, in the front office that needs to be involved with it? You know, who, what are your key stakeholders along the way? Is it going to be the customer at the end of the day that's going to be impacted by this? You have to get them involved as well. So it comes to, to bring the idea to life. It, you really have to focus in on being able to bring in all those components um, to, to bring the idea to life and get them involved. So your idea is going to morph. You might have a great base idea. But you have to make the idea there. So how do you plant the inception that this is their idea? And it sometimes is that, you know what, you have an idea of 85, 90% baked out and the other folks are going to add in another two to five to 10% within the idea as well, just to all become one collaborative idea, turning into an innovation that actually gets implemented out there. Uh, Because at the end of the day, one person cannot bring an idea to life. It takes a team. So how does Mindful Innovators connect with like customer experiences? It all starts with that base, right? But a consumer experience is just as much of an innovation as a product is an innovation. So when we think about the consumer experience, we wanna identify really what is the problem that you have with that experience and then come up with that creative solve to get others and get others to accept it. That's really what it all comes down to. I did some work with a supermarket bakery to understand why their sales were not doing well. They were, they were sluggish. And when I first spoke to a lot of the, the folks in the company, it was came down to that it was they were losing sales because people are just not focused in on eating sweets and sugar now. It's, they really are looking at creating more of a healthier diet. So their uh, their answer to this was to start creating products that were a little bit healthier, maybe keto friendly, uh, less carbs, less sugars, and, and they had that whole line within their bakery department. So I would shop stores with consumers in their bakeries to understand exactly what were they doing. And time and time again, people will walk right by that bakery department and then they would walk around the store and shop the rest of the store and they would go down the, the, the cookie aisle and they would put in Oreos in their carts. They would put Hostess cupcakes in their carts. And it was really interesting to see them do that because the whole premise or the hypothesis that the sales were down was because, well, they want to eat healthier, but they're putting Hostess cupcakes in their carts. So that, well, that's not eating healthier. So what was that real problem? So now we've identified what wasn't the problem. Now we had to identify what the problem was. So when that question is addressed right to the consumer, we walked right by the bakery, you didn't get anything there. And you put, you put Oreos in your shopping cart. Tell me a little bit more about that. 
consumers will say, well, I love Oreos. I, mean, I open it up. I mean, it reminds me of my childhood. They're always fresh. Hostess cupcakes, I get individual bags. This product is always good. No matter when I want it, I can have it in my, my, uh, my pantry for three, four weeks and no problem. So we learned a lot from those, those conversations with consumers that, you know, it wasn't the fact that they weren't healthy. They just wanted fresh baked goods. And they weren't getting that from the bakery, which is crazy because it's baked right there in the store. Yeah. In fact, the sign on the, in the back of the bakery department said, we bake our cookies here in store. And folks would just walk right by it and not pay any mind to it. So when we looked at the bakery, we said, well, look at it. What speaks fresh to a consumer within the bakery department? Everything is prepackaged or packaged uh, later on in the day. The behind the scenes of the bakery wasn't really showing off, uh, you know, the baked goods they were making behind there. In fact, most of the production was done early in the morning so they could prepare. It was then at four to six o'clock in the morning when no one was in the store. So the store smelled the best at that time when they were baking the cookies at 5 a.m. Uh, but when customers were shopping for it, they weren't smelling the freshness of the bakery department. So what uh, the creators solve for this consumer experience was to bake cookies in the middle of the day, whether it's only one batch, one sheet of cookies, bake them in the middle of the day so customers can come in and smell the cookies when they were shopping. And that was just a creative way to really symbolize out that the product that was in the baker department is actually fresh. Mm -hmm. And that really helped turn that experience around. So we identify one that the problem was not that it wasn't healthy, healthy products that we're looking for, but it was that they wanted fresh bakery products. We then had to get the bakery management team to accept that that was the real problem. And we, and we moved them over to that. And then we came up with the creative solve that showed that everything was fresh by baking cookies in the middle of the day to really change that consumer experience, get more shoppers to the bakery department and having them stop just driving by right over to the, uh, the cookie aisle. Yeah, there's nothing better than just a smell of a fresh cookie baking. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it's it's a, it's one of the best smells there is. I mean, uh -huh. we even use it in real estate with uh, yeah. when you're looking at an open house. There's always a cookie baking in the kitchen. Yep. <laughs> so I hear you have a book coming out. Yes, I have a book coming out uh, this November. It's called The Mindful Innovator. And it really goes into a lot of different case studies, some that we talked about today, on how you can apply mindfulness to innovation. It really is that intersection between the two. And the book really just gives you a step-by-step -step approach on how to overcome a lot of the challenges that you face in creating change, whether it's in your company, whether it's in your home, your church, whatever it may be, we can all uh, use this book to help us drive change. A lot of times it can be very overwhelming uh, and, and a lot of us fear that change. This book helps you kind of get over that fear and, and really just get into those three categories of problem, creative solves, and getting people to accept and giving you the tools that you need to be able to do that. So you can find that on uh, Indiegogo uh, and look up the Mindful Innovator. There's a pre-sale campaign starting really soon. You can find it there. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn if you have any questions there. Uh, I'm Matt Muller Innovation on LinkedIn. And I think that something that just came to my mind is that it doesn't matter the size. You know, it doesn't matter the size of the company, the size of your family. There's always things that you can do in mindful innovation. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, it could be just you yourself personally. Um, you know, how can you mindfully change your habits and behaviors? I mean, those are some of the biggest uh, challenges that we face. In fact, uh, that was like really kind of what started everything for me was, was my internal problem of, of, of trying to lose weight. At one point I was 360 pounds. 
And I had to think a little bit more mindfully about the things that I was doing to be able to lose that weight. Um, And actually, I talk about that in my book as well. It's like one of the first moments that you need to have is this thing called the seatbelt moment. So if you want to create change in your life or anyone else's life, you have to have a seatbelt moment. And what I mean there is that when I was 360 pounds, I went to an amusement park and I went on a roller coaster. I waited online for over two and a half hours with my son to get on top of this ride. And we get up to the top of the line and we get on the roller coaster and I try and yank down the harness that you have to wear on the roller coaster and it would not fit. It was like just bouncing off my stomach. So the attendant comes on over and he tries to jam it in there. He's like, I think I got this. Next thing you know, there's three folks that come over that are working in the park and they're jumping on my stomach like a trampoline trying to close this thing. It's horrible. And I'm sorry, Sarah, but you can't get on the ride. It won't close. So me and my son had to take the walk of shame down the roller coaster line. And I felt like every single person that I walked by was like, oh, look at this fat ass. He couldn't get on the ride. And they were just, you know, just shaming me along the way. None of it true, but all in my head. Right. But that's kind of like where that is like that emotion starts to hit you and, and that anger starts to hit you. And that moment there made me realize I needed to do something. So how can you create that seatbelt moment for yourself and for others? And it comes down to really being able to find that emotion and calling out that point that, you know what? Yeah, I need to do something about this. This is dire. I need to do something about this. And once you get someone to to really agree with that statement, that is when you you know someone is ready to actually create change. So that's how you open up folks to being able to actually go through the innovation process. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great story. <laughs> you look wonderful, by the way. <laughs> thank you. I've kept it off for some time now. Thank God. <laughs> well, thank you. So any closing thoughts? No, I just wanted to thank you, Lois, for your time today. It's great to meet you and speak to your audience about mindful innovation. I believe everybody that's listening to this, you absolutely create change in your life, in your world. Um, it's totally possible. I understand it's, it's be very complicated. And there's a lot of fear that goes by, uh, goes through your mind when dealing with change. But just remember one step at a time, be mindful about it and you can do it. Right. Thank you very much. All right, giant builders, think about your mindful innovation and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. <laughs>